you don't have to start playing soccer, everybody, but you, it's also called football, incidentally, because you play it with a ball and your feet. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All jokes are the best. <laughs> When you reflect on your life, it's interesting to see how some people seem to step in at exactly the right point in time. As a young coach growing up, I didn't have a lot of great mentors. I knew I wanted to create content. I wanted to use speaking as an avenue to educate other trainers and coaches. And someday, I wanted to own my own gym. And these were awesome goals. But then the question became, how do I actually go about doing all of this? Luckily for me, Alan Cosgrove came into my life at just the right time, and the rest, as they say, is history. I mean, he's the reason that we have IFAST. If you've never heard this story, I get asked all the time, how did you and Bill meet? Well, Bill and I met because Alan Cosgrove linked us up via an email when I moved to Indianapolis and said, hey, you two are in the same city, you guys should hang out. So Alan basically connected Bill and I, and then a couple years later, I'm actually at Alan's gym in California. I'm doing a little in-service. Afterwards, we go to lunch, and we start talking about, hey, you know, what are you going to do, Mike? What's your, your, your path? What's your career going to look like? And I said, well, I really want to open a gym. He says, how long will that take? Now, granted, this is in like June or July. Very aggressively said, oh, maybe like six months. Now, it took a year, but needless to say, without Alan, maybe there isn't an iFast. So... Alan is the co-owner of Results Fitness in Santa Clarita, California, twice named one of the top 10 gyms in America by Men's Health and Women's Health magazines. Alan and his wife, Rachel, are also owners of a fitness professional consulting company, Results Fitness University. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, as I alluded to up top, Alan was one of my earliest mentors in the fitness industry, so we have more than a few topics to dive into in this episode. We're going to talk about the early mentors that Alan had and how they helped him become the mentor that he is today. We're going to talk about why he originally decided to open a gym and some of the hard lessons that he's learned along the way. If you're unfamiliar with this, Alan's actually battled cancer twice and won. So we're going to talk about how those battles, how those struggles have helped shape and mold both his business and his overall vantage point on life. We're going to talk about how he kept his gym open throughout the COVID pandemic and perhaps more importantly, the business lessons he learned as a result. And last but not least, we're going to talk about how Alan was a major player in shifting the way we think about fat loss workouts. Because trust me, our approach in the early 2000s was a lot different than what it looks like today. But I want to be honest and I want to be frank here. Without Alan Cosgrove in my life, a lot of things could be different. Maybe I don't meet Bill, who consistently inspires me to be my best version of myself as a coach and practitioner. And if I don't meet Bill, there's probably no iFast. So quite simply, Alan has been one of the most influential people in my life, and I'm so pumped to have him on the show with me here today. And not only are you going to get some great content, 
But I don't think AC and I have connected in like four or five years other than texts, emails, uh, Instagram posts. So I promise it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be educational as well. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Alan Cosgrove. Did you know that in any given year, 40% of the trainers and coaches in our industry will leave our industry? Maybe that's why it seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, let me tell you how I can help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you. People who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 plus years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In the cert, you'll learn how to use my R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. You'll learn the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym to help your clients squat, hinge, press, and pull with awesome technique. You'll learn my streamlined assessment process that will help you determine the exact movements your clients should be performing when they come in the gym. And last but not least, you'll learn how to create relationships and build rapport with virtually everyone you train so you can get the best possible results. Of course, there's a lot more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the CERT is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the CERT only open twice per year for a limited time. But if you join my free insiders list now, you'll be able to save $200 when my next group opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, that's completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you'll join us when the next complete coach certification launches. Thanks so much for coming on the show here today, man. Super, super excited to finally get you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, my name is Alan Cosgrove. I am going to do this podcast in a Scottish accent just to mix it <laughs> up a little bit. And, and also for the reasons that I have great difficulty doing any other kind of accent. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Scotland. Uh, I now run a gym in Southern California with my wife, Rachel, called Results Fitness. And we are entering our 24th year of running that gym. So that's the... Dang. That's where I started, where I, how, how it's going. 24 <laughs> years, dude. That's amazing. I didn't know it was that I, long. I knew it was a long time, but I didn't know it was 24. Yeah, it's weird when you, I mean, you think most gyms, even with recent lockdowns and stuff, like, most gyms don't make it five. Yeah. Uh, the, the ones that do tend to have sold to somebody else. So you guys, how long are you guys open? This will be 15. Yeah, that's... 07. 07 that's, that's is when a, I that's came a long to, time, man. I came to your spot and you said, when are you going to open the gym? And I said, January 1 of... 2008. I didn't come through. It was August 4th of 2008. But Not yeah. bad, lad. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talk to me. Like, how did you, I think I know this story, but maybe not. How did you get into all this? Like, how did you get into physical preparation and working out and all that stuff? So I, I, 
I liked superhero comics when I was a kid, particularly ones with uh, guys who didn't have any powers, like Batman, right? Okay. So they had this martial arts fighting ability. So I got fascinated with that and like the Bruce Lee movies and, and stuff. Uh, so I started in Taekwondo when I was about 11 years old. Um, I lived in a kind of rough area and in Scotland, there's only two two. Um, schools you go primary school secondary school so there's no like junior high right so at 11 you go to high school where up to 18 is there right oh like, wow. so that's okay. kinda, so you're always a little nervous and it's going to the big school and it uh, and then taekwondo became a a real sport for me uh i became a, a good competitor and I ended up being on the national team uh and traveling but but prior to that um similar to when you start getting down to it right like same as in boxing like if, if i'm on a if I'm gonna fight you, Mike, and I'm gonna throw a sidekick, then you know the sidekick, and you know how to defend it, right? So right. I, if you look at that, remember the, the bumpers pyramid of of like preparation. At the bottom is like physical preparation, yeah, and then uh, technical, tactical, psychological. So I kind of was like the te- tactical. I can have a coach to help me with that. Technical is a wash. I think we're all all these guys at this level know the same techniques. So I just realized that the ability to execute the techniques was going to be the difference maker. And the, the biggest lie in martial arts, you'll hear things like, I'll oh, use your opponent's strength against them. Well, we still separate, you know, junior females from adult males in fights. We still have weight classes because generally speaking, a bigger guy has an advantage over a smaller guy. Sure. And now our assumption is the bigger guy has an advantage because he's stronger which might not be the case, but with no other information, like if you tested our, our squat and deadlift before, I would tank it and pretend I was weak to fight a smaller <laughs> guy, right? Right. <laughs> but you're really, you're using weight as a surrogate measure for strength, saying that the stronger guy has an advantage. So that led me down a path where I wasn't a, a great student in high school. So I went to a junior college and studied this sort of sports studies course that had a, a little bit of everything in it, but the physiology part kind of, paid paid most attention to me and I, and I really resonated with it and I did a second year there before I went to get my degree I went to um, Chester College University of Liverpool and I, I studied sports science there all to do with making myself a better athlete was the entire en- entire driving force is like I, I remember being the only guy in my, in my class who read the entire Fox Fox Foss and Bowers exercise physiology manual like I read the whole thing and I'm wow laying down protocol. I just was fascinated by it. Um, now, this is the weird part. Is during that time, we also did a class on like general fitness. And the class was on, on how to, to help people lose weight. They didn't use the term fat loss then. It was weight loss. And I remember studying it and writing the program according to all the literature and submitting it. And I got an A on the paper. And I'd given my mum my the same program. Um, she was overweight. And uh, I don't know if she ever did the program. I think she probably did it a little bit and tried following the nutrition stuff. But but fast forward, before I'd finished college, she passed away from a heart attack at about age 52, mm. just getting close to where I am right now, which is, yeah. makes it even more real because I felt my mom was old then. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of hit me then that I'm, even now, sports never been better, right? Like you, you can argue who's better, LeBron or, or Kobe. We can measure it with track and field. We can measure it with weightlifting and powerlifting. We can't really measure it with other sports, but the ones that are measurable, the world records are all recent, right? With a, yeah. a couple of exceptions. Swimming, they break world records all the time. Sports never been better. General fitness is not great. Yeah. So I, 
at that point, I just became, as much as I was still fighting and, and doing things um, competitively, I became more fascinated how I could help real people. And that's kind of kept me driving on to, to today, I suppose, is that it's still, I still think, we, like, trainers are arguing whether we should do body part splits or CrossFit with the average, you know, I remember seeing a thing that was like the, the fattest man in the world in the 1900s. Guy was maybe 325, right? Like, oh my gosh, like yeah. the, he was a side a sideshow freak at that point. Yeah. Right. So we we're I think the challenges are really with the general pop, and uh, it kind of still excites me doing that. Well, especially when you hear, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the numbers can be fudged, but you know, they'll say f- roughly 50 percent of the population could be classified as overweight or obese these days. Yeah. I mean, it just makes what you're doing even more relevant. I seen a funny stat the other day. It was from uh, Bill Campbell, who's a, a PhD at a University of Florida, I think, and he said, uh, "Do do you know that the the number of uh, overweight people have went down in the last five years? Like it's like a true or false question." And you're like, "No way!" And he goes, "It's because the number of obese people has gone up, which is a separate oh, category." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, overweights went down slightly. Obese has doubled. So it's uh, oh it's gosh. definitely a, a a thing that's um you, you start realizing we're we're not doing a great job with that. So for for a variety of reasons, and it's it's interesting too. Is my um uh, I mean my my brother's overweight. My dad's overweight. My my genetic body type is to get chubby. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> I'm aware of it myself. Like I got right. a, a, so I, I, at one point I remember realizing that after some of my medical, my, my cancer issues a, a long time ago. Um, at one point I'd been the fittest guy I knew when I was on the national team. And at one point I was the weakest guy I knew. Yeah. And that gives you an interesting perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that it's uh, like, like, so I, I think the general fitness part, uh, it excites me more. I'm fascinated by sports still, but it excites me more to, to help, you know, maybe change some people for real, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about the progression from like this love and this interest and this passion when you're in college to like where you're at now. And I mean, a lot of things going on in your world, right? Between owning a gym and speaking and all those things. So yeah. kind of fill in that those gaps and give us a little bit of your like career arc, so to speak. So there's a little... uh I did a keynote for Perform Better a few years ago called the Ripple Effect, which is um, you know we all have this in our life where little little moments change things for you, right? Mm-hmm. There's a movie uh, years old now called Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow, and okay. she goes to catch the subway in London, and she catches the subway, and then the screen splits, and she misses the subway. The doors slide close, and it shows how her life goes different from there. Really? Like that little oh, moment. that's cool. So it's. Uh, like it's that's kind of like the Marvel comic stuff. The multiverse is a different Alan mm-hmm. Cosgrove out there, right? <laughs> so um, I my my mom had passed away, and I was coming over here to work at um, summer camps every year um, during college, uh, teaching taekwondo. And uh, my lat when I finished my degree, I said, right, I'm going to do one more summer job, and I'm going to get a real job after that. I'll do one more bullshitting around, right? <laughs> and so when I applied for my visa, at the time I got a five-year, I'd only ever gotten a six-month visa. I got a five-year one. Now, I don't, still to this day, I don't know if, maybe that's what happens when you've applied a bunch of times, or maybe that's the rule change. They just give it for like a whole college, because it's, it's a, student, a student work visa relationship. They give me the visa for five years, Um Maybe that's just because that could be a whole four-year degree or, right. or plus postgrad that you're you're covered. So it just was in my, my head that this expiration was five years in the future. And then 
as I was leaving it to come over, uh, my dad said to me, um, he goes, listen, you don't owe Scotland anything. If you get an opportunity there, you take it. Mm. And uh, I, I'd never thought about staying here at the time. Um, but I knew, I, I worked at the summer camp, and I just knew I couldn't go back and look my dad in the eye and go, well, there's no opportunities in America, <laughs> dad, right? <laughs> like I couldn't do that. So uh, at the end of the summer camp, there was a hotel nearby. It's uh, upstate New York. And this hotel was actually the impetus behind the movie Dirty Dancing. It was like a Jewish uh, holiday resort for okay. people. So at the end of the summer camp, which is owned by the same people, um, I went over there and I got a job as a lifeguard and I had a job in what they called the athletic department. The athletic department laid out chairs for dances and weddings and things like yeah. that. And there wasn't a whole lot of athleticism going on there. <laughs> right? So basically I had two jobs at once. And then one day we go down to the rec hall and we're building this structure and I can't figure out what we're doing. I goes, what is this? Like we're putting a platform up with posts around it. Like, like we're building kind of like a starting up a tent and doors, but there's no roof on it. And they're like, it's a boxing ring. And I'm like, we're having boxing for the guests? And he goes, no, uh, we have fight camps here. Uh, Alex Stewart is coming up. He just come off of a, I think he just came off of a loss from from uh, Evander Holyfield. Or uh, Alex Stewart at one time um, had only lost to five boxers: Holyfield twice, Michael Moore, George Foreman, and Mike Tyson. That's his oh, only wow. losses. So he was uh, okay. uh, he he was a solid contender who perhaps managed differently would have won a championship nowadays. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is going to be cool. And I I go up and uh, I was kind of friendly with the manager of the, the hotel who was friends with Alex. Alex passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and he said, hey, uh, his, he doesn't have, uh, his trainers are going to be able to be here for the first couple of weeks. Will you be his trainer? Like not, not boxing wise, more like a conditioning guy. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So I basically asked Alex, what does he do? And it started with, I would accompany him on what he does. This is a tip for young coaches. Like you don't come in and, a guy's, a guy's practically undefeated as a professional. He'd been to the Olympics, and he's like, "Here's my training program." And you know, you're like a fresh off the boat kid. Like, I'm gonna change this shit. I was like, All right, what do you? He goes, "I run uh, 30 minutes one day, 30 minutes the next day, 40 minutes the next day, and I do that the other three days, and then I take Sundays off." And then in the afternoon, I do like dips and chin ups and push ups. And I was like, "All right," so I just became like his training partner. Uh, until Georgie Bennon, who was his, his coach, showed up. And then they kept me on as his conditioning coach. And we, we built a little, you know, a fun relationship. And I was, I, would be, I was able to influence the training program over a couple of weeks. Like, I was like, hey, let's add, let's, let's run it in, in rounds of three minutes. And we'll set a higher pace. And we'll get the one minute. Like, starting basic interval training that felt like boxing. So he wasn't too right. against it. And then once they got the buy-in, we started doing hill sprints and stuff. So uh, I was, um, I worked with him for the fight and uh, he knocked a guy out in the, in the fifth round. We're on USA on Tuesday night fights for the people who can remember that show. Yeah. But now, now you're out of work, right? Because he doesn't fight next weekend. It's not like <laughs> a team, right? Right. So the, I'm leaving the hotel and, and it's in Foxwoods, Connecticut. And there's a New York Times article about personal training. And I can remember the cover. It's, there's a guy doing like cone jumps. And the, the coach was was there. It's, it's on my website somewhere. It's in a presentation. But she she's kind of like 
posing for the camera as he's jumping, but it looks like uh, her her hand is up his butt, right? <laughs> the way that you're taken. But I was like, I never heard of personal training, but I'm like, this this is what I just did with Alex for regular people. It sounds like yeah. So uh, there was five gyms featured. I sent my resume to the to the five gyms. I thought that's the five gyms in in New York, and. Uh, I got a call from from a couple of them. I got a call from one, and I started working at this place, the U.S. Athletic Training Center, which is t- talking about gyms have been around a long time. That's still going on uh, Madison Avenue. So it's largely physical therapy plus training. It's still there in the, in the heart of Ma- Manhattan. So there I am thinking, like, this whole time, Mike, I just hadn't gone back to Scotland yet. Yeah. This is only a few months has gone by since the summer camp, right? We're not yeah. even at Christmas yet. And... Um, then I got approached to from guys who were there were opening a gold's gym across town, and uh, they said, "Will you be our fitness director?" And I wasn't like, wasn't too interested in it, but the numbers sounded good, so I goes, "Well, I'll do that for a little while." And we started with uh, uh, interviews, and a young girl called Rachel came in yeah. uh, for an interview. And um, what's interesting, this is a. A funny story. It sounds ridiculous now. We were doing interviews in a hotel, and I was—I had clients across town. I had to to leave, and uh, the receptionist from the gym comes up and goes, um, "You're eleven o'clock. Rachel is here." And uh, like being a jerk, twenty-something-year-old, um, there with uh, the the guy who owns the gym, like she cute. <laughs> and and the girl and the the set receptionist goes, "Yeah, she's cute." I goes, "All right, I'll stay." <laughs> But in my head, I remember that. But I, I, I think I was only really half joking with that. I think if I, I don't know what if she'd have said, "No, nah, she, she's hideous and she'll never get a job here." I might have just left. <laughs> but the, the ripple effect part, right, is one: if my mom doesn't die, I don't, I don't stay here because my dad wouldn't have said that to me. Two: I'm not putting up that boxing ring. I'd never find out who Alex Stewart is. Mm-hmm. I don't pick up that newspaper. I don't go to the gym. That receptionist says that Rachel isn't going to work here or isn't going to be a good fit. Maybe I leave the interview and I don't meet her because the guy at the gym thought she's a little too soft to be make it in New York. And I was like, I think we need the different personalities, right? Right, right. So but the gym actually never opened. Rachel's very clear. I have to point that out. So I was never <laughs> her boss. <laughs> she's always clear. He was never my The gym actually never opened. It got sold to New York Sports Club before it opened, which is a, another lesson for me is that like sometimes you, you you can't control your own destiny. They they sold it before it was even open, and we were all gone. And then uh, a little while later, uh, Rach and I started dating, and we have now been together since '97. Oh so, my gosh! So it's a little. Uh, it's like that that you know pebble in the pond, and the ripples. Like yes, I, I, I get. It, it can trip you out if you focus on it too much because you you have them too in your life. Sure. Mine are just easy to measure because they involve moving countries. Right. right? Like you can see this big change, but uh, I would go as far to say, had my dad died and not not my mom, I wouldn't have finished college. I'd have stayed to look after her because it was yeah. in the middle of college. Um, and you and I wouldn't be on this call now. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. like so your 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 life is a little different as a result too. Yeah. So it's, it gets it gets trippy when you think about it, but that that's the story of. Uh, so we're in New York, and uh, New York is expensive and tough. And it's uh, Rachel wanted to move back home to Santa Clarita, California, and I followed her. Yeah. So here we are. This there is a we, our our gym is like a few blocks from where she went to high school. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty close, yeah. Well, so I'm, when when the competing high schools come in, the kids come in for the competing high schools. To this day, she still gets a little salty. <laughs> <laughs> there are rivals. I'm like, you graduated college a wee while ago, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. Well, yeah. man, I've got like, I mean, you saw the questions. I've got so many random things I want to talk to you about because you have had like this really massive impact on my life. And like thinking back, like I wanted to start by just talking about mentors and mentorships because mm-hmm. I feel like. You have been such an influential person to myself, to so many other people across the industry. What was part of your inspiration or the impetus for you to become like a real mentor? Because again, not to gush over you, (laughs) especially since we're sitting here talking, but like, I mean, you taught me so much early on in my career. You taught me how to be a better speaker, how to be a professional, uh, how to watch a World Cup match in uh, the basement of a Chicago bar in between presentations. That's the hardest challenge. Yes, that I mean <laughs> That's the hardest one. I know. Trying to teach the American about soccer, but I mean what inspired you? No, like, you wh- play soccer, right? I do try and play soccer. Ah, I yeah. see. I changed, won. I changed the world. And my daughter plays soccer, so you really won. But like what what led you to want to do that? So I um another ripple effect moment. My unemployment was really uh, big in, in Scotland probably in the 80s and um, a lot of people lost lost their jobs it was at a high my dad had lost his job and I'd, I'd started taekwondo lessons and then you know all the coaches listen to this you probably had a client once or a kid who just disappears right like they, they stop coming in and you, you, you don't know what you did they just something happened they stopped showing up and I didn't want to be that kid so I went to my my coach uh, Derek Campbell and uh, I said listen my dad's lost his job we can't afford classes and I will be back when he gets a job. I'm not quitting and I'll keep practicing. And he said, you will be back on Wednesday and you will teach the kids class with me. And that's how you'll pay for your lessons. Cause I've told this story before. It kind of sounds like, you know, he sees this phenom kid yeah. and decides to sponsor him. That wasn't it. He he saw a kid with, with who wasn't good yet. Um, I don't think I'd want to fight at this point. Uh, maybe one fight as, as a red belt, but he gave me an opportunity, an opportunity that looked a lot like work, showing up yeah. and teaching, right? Yeah. But that man changed my life because I started showing up 30 minutes before the kids' class and I would end up getting a kind of private session with him. And I went on to, to win the Scottish Championships, the British Championships seven times and get European and world medals and, and get a visa to come to the US because of it. I got a fourth degree black belt. Is This guy just kind of, he, he mentored me just as a fighter. Um, but I remember him driving me home one day and he said, um, you know, you learned this, right? You learned Taekwondo? And I goes, yeah. He goes, you learned it. You didn't know how to do it. And I was like, um, yeah, I learned it. Thinking uh, my instructor's having a stroke. Don't know what he's talking about. Right? <laughs> and he goes, if, if you can learn this, this is hard to learn. He goes, you can learn anything. He goes, you can be as smart as anybody that's ever lived. If you can read, you can learn anything that anybody's ever learned. You just got to want it. And you can see that wow. my by my backdrop here, that, that, that le- and yours, that yeah. lesson's kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Um, so in martial arts, you have a lineage. Like who did who gave you your black belt? You, you can trace it back. Like um, I, who who graded me to 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 my first black belt? Who graded him to his first black belt? You can trace it back to, to yeah. a lineage. We don't really have that in fitness, right? No. We don't we don't have no. that because we're still a young generation. Like some of the, I mean, 
I mean, maybe Alvar Meal and Boyd Epley are retired now. I don't even know. They might still. They're kind of like the yeah. first generation guys, right? Like, yeah. like uh, I'd say Michael Boyle came ahead of us, but Mike's still coaching. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the generations are still still together, and uh, I, I just felt like it was so. I just so much wanted to be like my instructor and to be able to to do that for someone. Right, yeah. through you get nothing back. Like, I mean, obviously he got me me to help help work, and I'm sure my tournament success led to more students for for him too. But um, he he for, for for seemingly no reason at all helped me on my way, and I just always wanted to do that. And uh, I thought I was going to probably do that through taekwondo, but it's it's become through originally fitness, and it actually became through helping other other coaches like. Like young young coaches like like yourself and Eric and you guys were just kind of coming up. I'm like, yeah. listen, here here's some things that I fucking did wrong. Yeah. Right. I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you I'm, yeah, you don't have to do it wrong. I can tell you, you're gonna come to the same conclusion as me. Yeah. Right. You're gonna yeah. come to it after a few more years, but you could just listen just now <laughs> and just and 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 launch pad off of that. So I just feel like um. There's a. I always have this thing when when someone says uh, thanks, I'm like, no, nah, it's no need to thank me. Just pay it forward. Yep. That's how we do it, right? And if we all do that, we change the world, yep. right? And it, I, I've seen, um, I've seen some guys that like the as they get older in their career, they become jealous of the next generation who has more opportunities, and you see them like, oh, it's all about you know sales copy and marketing and funnels now. Nobody wants to coach anymore. I'm like, shut up, right? You. <laughs> Same if this was your generation. We should be proud, right? You should yeah. be proud of like like the it's a, a John Danaher line who's a jujitsu instructor is, is my job is to first uh, uh show you what you are blind to, then to show you everything that I can see and eventually to have you see further than I ever could. Like your your like goal it, your goal at some point is to have as a as a taekwondo instructor is to have a superior athlete than you were as a student. Right, your your goal right. is a as a you know a, a mentor to trainers is to have them do something epic. I met one of your guys at the Olympic Training Center. That's fucking cool, dude. Yeah, yeah. Right, like he he's the strength coach Olympic Training Center. Like that's that's a level, man. So yeah. I think it's and then like like without being weird, like I think I had had a part in that because I helped you. Absolutely, you know, like, like that's the, the that's the path. So that that's how it works, you know. So it just became important to me because I didn't see it in fitness, and I just knew how valuable it was to me. And I, I've always like felt like, uh, you know, as you get older, your legacy becomes important too. Like, yes. like I, I want to, I want to leave the industry better than it was when I arrived. Yes, right. Agreed. So that that's kind of the thing. So, so hopefully, hopefully, I'm doing that a little bit. But it, it, again, it started with. A little bit of a selfish reason because I just wanted to be my instructor when I grew up. Yeah. Still do, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it's that uh, that idea of of how great it was to have somebody show you the way. Yes. Um. Like I I, I want to do that. I love it. Cool. Okay. So changing topics slightly. What made you want to open a gym? Um, I I started to understand a little bit of the business side of things. Right, like I've always said, there's a lot of good coaches out there, complete black belts in training, right? To keep yeah. With the martial arts analogy, absolute white belts in business. Couldn't get a client to save their lives. Um, just like no idea how to keep a client bill or anything like that. And uh, so I moved to California. And uh, at the time, uh, New York, the trainers I was around were um, a little uh, 
little higher end than the ones at this gym I worked at in in California. So I started to feel weird because I, if I was busy and I couldn't fit someone else in, there was no one there I would re- like like I would recommend. Yeah. It's a weird feeling like there's no one else because I didn't hire the the staff and so I started doing the math of what I was getting paid and what the cut I gave to the gym and I was I was. Uh, I, I did a, a thing in the beginning where um, there was a 12-week fitness challenge and they had five different categories but I just after I'd started. So I I trained for free someday in each category. Uh, so I won all five. And then my, my book was, well, I won off, they won all five, but my clients took all the prizes. <laughs> and then I, I, uh, I was fully booked after that. So I started realizing that the cut that I was giving the gym... Um, this is one of the mistakes as a trainer. I could pay that to a landlord and just have my own place and get rid of all the other frustrations, right? My top 10 frustrations were about eight. Eight of them were about this place, Yeah. right? I goes, these can all be eliminated and I'll just go to this place. Sounds like a good idea, right? Because the fast forward, it's worked out. But the time you realize that cut I was given the gym allowed me to market to this entire database of people. Mm-hmm. I met people every hour who were looking for fitness that I could talk to and hire. Now I went to zero people showing up, right? <laughs> so that cut I was given that gym was more than fair. Yeah. I've spent more than that on marketing, yeah. right? So that, that part I want to be clear on is that I'm like, yeah, this gym is taking all the money, but they are supplying me with all the equipment, all the clients, everything yeah. I need and handling the credit card processing fees and stuff. So it, numbers one through eight on my frustration list were completely replaced by now the gym owner frustration list, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was very much this idea of um, simplifying that I'll, I'll just have a little place where I had a few athletes and a couple of general pop people and I could make the same living if I just kept them, right? I was in my head, I don't, it doesn't have to grow. If I just kept them and, you know, I'd make the same money and I set my own hours and no headaches. That was the real idea of simplicity. Uh, and Rachel was working at another gym at the time. So if it all went south, she would support me. But by the end of the first week, we we're only doing one-on-one then. Then the first week, she quit the job and started full-time at the gym too. So wow. here we are 24, 24 years later with uh, several business you know, ch- changes, small group training being um, – I don't know if I invented that. I, I, a couple of Thomas Plummer always says we invented it. I'm sure people were doing that before me. I just knew I had nobody to ask about it when yeah. I launched it. There's nobody that I could run it by. But it was, um, and I use the term semi-private that it's not the same workout. They're doing doing slightly different things. But right. uh, that that allowed us to, to scale up again. So it's uh, so that to, to to condense the answer, I had an entrepreneurial seizure one day <laughs> at the current gym I was working at. Convinced myself that this money that I was the gym were taking was completely unfair, and <laughs> I will be a champion of freedom and justice and pursue my own place. But so, about young coaches listening, when you're given a, a cut to the gym you work at, understand how much it takes to get one client. Right, how much time and money it takes to get one client in a commercial gym. There's at least five prospects every hour walking through the door that you yeah. could pick up for no. That that's what you're paying that cut to the gym for. Yep. Right. Yep. So it, it's a uh, uh, that that's what made me open a gym for what I thought would, would be simplifying my life and making it um making about the same money, which which was true, 
but fast education on what it's like to run a business and and uh, why you you can't just keep all the money as a trainer in a gym. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, we're going to take a quick break in this episode to talk about the complete coach certification. If you're a trainer, coach, or rehab professional who's looking to level up their skills with regards to your assessment process, how you write programs, coaching and queuing, or just having better progressions and regressions, this is the course for you. It's literally the culmination of my 20 plus years in the fitness industry. I've seen every nook and cranny, whether we're talking about fat loss clients, people that want to add muscle, people that are dealing with back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, or athletes that just want to get a little bit faster, stronger, and more explosive, the certification can help you do that. So go to completecoachcertification.com to learn more about the cert. Again, that's completecoachcertification.com. Now, back to our episode with Alan. Well, I think what I always try and explain to new trainers, coaches that want to open their own gym is, okay, you're really good at this thing, right? Which is writing programs, coaching people, all that. Now, how do you feel about trying to be really good at a whole nother thing that also requires like five different jobs, right? Because you can, I mean, you talked about writing sales copy, communication, selling, marketing, Uh, systems and operations. Those are all in your lap now. And you don't like them. You don't like any of them. You're not not good at them and you hate them. Yeah. (laughs) So now the money that you were paying the gym, you're just paying other people to do those jobs for you. And you own your own business now. So, yeah, And your boss is a psycho. Yeah. 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 You thought but, your old boss sucked and now you got a new yeah. one who might be even worse. Your, 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 your new one is uh, talks to you in the middle of the night too. Right? Like, <laughs> I think that's the thing too, right? You read the book, The E-Myth, the classic one yeah. is that just, just because you're good at making cakes doesn't mean you can have a cake business. The, 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 the example I use is I don't know anybody who tells me that McDonald's is the best hamburger they've ever eaten or <laughs> couldn't make one better than that. Yeah. Then you understand that as, as much as you'd like to think that the quality of the product will determine everything, no one is giving you millions of dollars for your hamburger recipe, right? They want the systems of, of, of McDonald's, right? Because of the consistency of the product. That's yeah. the most important thing, the consistency of the product. Yeah, I so love it. That it is, it's just a different mindset. I mean, I, I, I've grown to really like it. And I think that's that realization is probably maybe maybe other than, than – than than Mike Boyle I, and some of the, the older generation, and I mean that respectfully. I think I was the first one of our kind of uh, group to actually open a gym. Yes, you know a, a couple before maybe like that like Joe Dowdell I know in, in New York. So when you're all kind of doing it, I'm like, all right, here's what's going to happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like here's what's you're you're. I've always said that people like build it and they will come. If you pay attention to that movie, that is not even the phrase in the movie. The phrase is build it and he will come. Yeah. One guy, his dad, his dad isn't going to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, build it and maybe your dad will come and not give you any money. <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, so you kind of alluded to this earlier. And in case you're listening to this show and you know nothing about Alan, this guy's fought cancer twice now and won. So I would love to hear really big picture like number one how does that shape you as a human right and and it i i can't wait uh, to hear that but also how does that shape your business how does that change how you think about your business going forward so the when you first hear it like just this awareness that your life's never going to be the same again and you're it's always like you try to find 
like what did I do to get this like I was in good shape I was lean I was healthy I just wasn't exposed to chemicals just like don't know right. genetic shit lottery right yeah so uh, I I did um, chemo for the, the first time and I went into remission and then I never really felt like I still felt like weak I never felt energy come back and uh, on my one year checkup uh, I had back pain and uh, Rachel was really pushing the doctor it's a woman's intuition Rachel was really pushing the doctor to order a scan and he's like well I'll order it but I don't really have basis to do it because he's everything looks good his blood looks good and insurance won't pay for it well insurance paid for it and I was back in stage 4 cancer again I had completely returned and that pain in my back was a tumour on the spine growing mm. and, and pressing on a nerve so I had to have a, a, a stem cell transplant some people call it a bone marrow transplant it's where, it, um, it's where your stem cells kind of originate right so uh, essentially what they do and this is going to be, be graphic is they give you enough chemo to kill every last trace of cancer and that's what they did the first time but then they keep going till it becomes really a, almost a fatal dose where you're destroying your own immune system and you're destroying your white blood count and you're in isolation when, when well, I was in isolation when they did this and uh, then at, at the last minute I guess or as, as low as they can go um, they re they reinject your your stem cells and some people get a, a, a third party um, stem cells to get a transplant from somebody else. I was able to do it with my my own. They extracted it when there was no cancer and they I guess they further treat it uh, in in vitro mm -hmm. and uh, then you're basically rebooted from from scratch. So you little things change like uh, my my hair color got a little darker and like I my arms and, and legs were. A little hairy, a little, little changes, but it's it's been still your own DNA, right? But yeah, it, there sure. are little changes. It's like a complete, like you reboot your computer. You, you take yeah. everything out of it and you start over. And it's uh, so uh, technically, uh, I'm only going to turn 17, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm <laughs> right. At my stem cells. So that's the thing. I checked in on 666. That was the day I checked in at the hospital. Oh my God. And uh, yeah. my transplant was on the 13th. Which is just, I mean, it sucks as it is. Right? You don't need to make it superstitious, eh? Right. <laughs> so, uh, but that's the the uh, story. So, I mean, physically, you learn a lot. You you learn what it's like to like like I I can remember like being pinned with the bar afterwards. Like like literally, I couldn't get forty five pounds off my wow. chest. And I, your body changes. You become sarcopenic, which means you're you're actually gaining weight, but you're losing muscle mass. You're in this horrible body comp yep. switch because your your physiology has entirely changed it took a while to figure that out incidentally um but i remember this this like you go through like you know denial grief uh, and then eventually get to acceptance and when i got to acceptance there was just awareness that maybe i don't make it and now i was always positive that it was going to but at that point i started thinking uh how do i write a training program how can I leave Results Fitness to Rachel and the team if I'm gone so that they, they can continue on what we've built? Like, how do I do that? And uh, like, so I'm like, right, this is what I do. And I kind of wrote it all down and kind of try this, write a program, send it back. I was like, oh, I missed a bit. And so I wrote our kind of templates for training, right, in the yeah. hospital. I'm like, like, I got a general pop on an athlete and in general pop, I'll have maybe a body comp. So everybody falls into three buckets, look better, like usually a body comp, feel better, usually movement, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be leaner and just kind of older or beaten up or perform better in, in sports or life. So I started creating these templates. I'm like, all right, so exercise one, everybody's going to do some type of a squat and I'm going to pair that with some type of a pull. And I created these little Microsoft Excel drop-down menus and it really the power of systems yep. because I remember when my, my friend, when I told him he's in New York and uh, he, he said, all right, so you're going to come in New York and do it, right? You're going to go to Columbia or you're going to go to you know Cedar sinai or something. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, well, and uh, my, my doctor goes, well, it's whether, wherever you go, it's the same stuff that we, we share information on this treatment. We don't, UCLA doesn't have a separate treatment protocol than USC, right? They, they compete at other things, but not with medicine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, that's kind of a, like, based on your type of cancer, there's a standard of care. Right. That everybody should. So when you hear about a clinical trial, that's for people who things haven't, the standard of care hasn't worked, so we'll try something else. But ethically, a doctor has to go through the standard of care. Yeah. So that idea of systems comes back again. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't, it didn't matter. Like the doctor doesn't come in the room and put the, the, the chemo in the arm or make up the drug because he here's what I need you to do. And his texts create the, the drug and put that in. So the idea of systems really help with business. Cause I really, like, the idea when you talk about like, oh, can you step out of your business? You got that little picture of the Corona on the beach, right? Yeah. Right. People clinking the Coronas and chilling. What if you had to step out? Cause you or a loved one was really ill. Could, could your business run without you? And um, I hate saying like, it's the best thing that ever happened to me, but that turning point was this ability to recognize that everything I do could be documented in a standard operating procedure. Yep. Like down to how I would answer the phone, and we and now it gets evolved too because you know uh, Craig uh, Craig Rasmussen, the templates have kind of evolved and have a lot of his in in a part of it, right? So it, yep. it evolves as a team, but it started as mine. So uh, as a person, you stop taking anything for granted. You, you, it's when you're standing in the TSA line and you're about to miss your your flight. You, I want to say I, I never get upset, but you're just like, no, there was an alternative timeline where I was not able to do this. Right. Right. And it kind of puts you, you at, at peace. And um, Tom Plummer had said to me at, at, a long time ago, he goes, at one point, he goes, you had one foot in heaven and one foot on, on earth. And he goes, and that gives you a perspective few people ever have. And it's always stuck with me that I, I, I just as an awareness of like, someday today got some fucking shitty news. Right, and you're yeah. you're mad that you're stuck in traffic, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, or yeah. somebody's talking shit about you on a on a forum, yeah. right? Like, the the old days, that stuff used to bother me too. <laughs> but uh, but business wise, it was again this this understanding of systems that you could you know systems make average people great. Right? It's it's a, a cool thing that you you can do exactly what I would do with a client. I could do exactly what Mike Robertson does with his basketball players if I just follow the the, the protocols. Yep. No, so no. That, that was the, the two lessons. That's cool. Okay, so on this topic of fitness, running a business, we both dealt with COVID as business owners. Obviously not an ideal situation. And I can just attest personally, it was the most stressful time running a business because of the unknowns, right? All yeah. the planning, all the things that you do to try and set yourself up, you don't know. When can you open? Yeah. How many people can be in? So I'd love to hear how COVID impacted you guys, especially being in California, and maybe what you learned on the back end of that. Because unfortunately, all these crappy situations we find ourselves in 
a lot of times help us learn a little bit about ourselves and about how resilient our businesses really are. Yeah, I think the hardest part, as we touched on before the call, is this uh, out of your, like, you did nothing wrong. You did, yeah. I, I did, we, we were reopened after about two months and then shut down again in about 10 days. And I was actually on, it was really strange at the time, all of California was open apart from LA County. So I was on the, the local news. I got a little little press about it, uh, but people don't realize I, I wasn't talking about gyms should be open or not, which was the big controversial thing at the time. I was talking about gyms are open and they're open everywhere. They're just, why is this town, this county different? What right. is the evidence that we have here that nobody else has access to? Yep. And that became extremely frustrating for me because there was no science based on it. It was completely arbitrary and capricious. The hardest part was this completely out of my control. Yes. Like I can, if, if leads are down, I can change things. If clients aren't happy, I can fix things. Like, like I can change staff schedules. I can hire a new staff member, get rid of funds. I couldn't do anything here. And I couldn't get heard because I, yeah. I knew I could make a case that a, while liquor stores are essential <laughs> uh, and marijuana stores are essential, I could figure out how to tr- – because there's a well for pro sports where, where uh, they had a thing here, the LA Galaxy were training. Mm-hmm. You couldn't pass the ball to somebody. And if your ball went out of the other zone, you had to get a new ball in case the COVID was on the ball. Like, it's sort of now, right? Like, yeah. But I was like I, – I couldn't even get my voice heard to be like, I could figure out how to do If pro sports can train, I can train somebody one-on-one then. I'll decide who's a pro. Right? And if right. I can train somebody one-on-one, how many square feet am I allowed well, then I can have a second. Like I could make a case with logic, which was just not going to happen. No, it wasn't But no, nobody would hear. Um, what I was impressed with was the ability of our team to pivot quickly. Uh, we'd been looking at apps for a while. Um, we, our programs were all written Microsoft, Excel, and then printed out on sheets. So we were looking at apps for a while. And we had landed on, on uh, uh, we, we're, uh, disclosure, we're partnering now with Bridge Athletic. There are other companies out there that we, we looked at and we decided to go with them. So we were fortunate that we had that ready to go. It looked like we got it just because of this, but we had that ready to go. We were planning on rolling it out. We rolled it out that night, the day we were. Wow. We shot a video saying that we were going to continue to open until we're told not to open. And within hours, they decided the lockdown was on. Yes. We we filmed bodyweight exercises. The whole team just started filming bodyweight exercises and we sent at-home workouts to all our clients. Because remember, this time it was uh, 10 days, right? <laughs> 10, 10, 14 days to, to, yes. to slow the flatten, spread and flatten, flatten the, the curve. curve. Yes. So we were like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And then we were we did a uh, metabolic session, like a bodyweight conditioning over Zoom. We had that on day two. So I, I was like, I was impressed how quickly we pivoted. Um, it became frustrating for me because these are generic workouts, which, which are fine for a little while. And then this generic conditioning kind of, you know, jumping jacks, you know, running on the spot, like, you know, sp- sprawl, like nothing that I, I would like. Um, as it continued, uh, I'd like to say that I got more and more happy, but I just got more and more depressed because I wasn't seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So we decided everybody would get um, back to customized programming at home through the bridge and Zoom calls. And they could come. Our, uh, I looked at our clients and our, our higher level members. Um, I gave them all a TRX 
a set of our slides, a band, and I was in get any one or two things you want. So we rented out all our equipment. Yeah. So you could grab a pair of dumbbells or a kettlebell and we had people at home and we wrote workouts for this. Uh, but every month members, some members are losing their jobs too, right? Uh, every month, my member, regardless how we did, just was trickling down. Yeah. No one was coming on. Yeah. It just was trickling down and trickling down. And you're, you're looking at one point, one of my coaching clients in, in New Jersey, uh, Greg Carbone, remember being on a call with him and he's seen the same thing, right? Just cancellation, cancellation. And I was like, all right, how long do you think you've got? How long can we float this before we just got to close it? Right. And, uh, we, we were, uh, e- even with some of the, the loans and things, you're still illegal to operate indoors in California and landlords still through no fault of their own. They suddenly get nobody paying them. Yeah. Right. They, they want to get their, their income too. When you see it from, from their point of view, they didn't close the gym. Right. Yeah, so, right. So they have to go after the government too. But uh, eventually, and I'm going to go full disclosure now, everybody, um, my tax code is for personal services in California because it's appointment-based training. When they cleared personal services to open in California, uh, we opened very small. We had a couple of people come back and we started doing some some group sessions. We've never had a single outbreak at the gym ever. Yeah, uh, I'm going as far as say as, I don't care what you think. There have been no major out- outbreaks in gyms operating well, yeah. um, any more than in any other building. Like, is there an outbreak in a gym? A hundred percent. But there's outbreaks in offices too. Yeah. So, uh, and then gradually, about a year later, we're allowed to open it. We were teaching outside. Um, California reaches 115 outside, so you can teach classes early in the morning. I've got a sloped shared parking lot outside. Like I don't have an outdoor training area. Right. I got a, a parking lot. If you put the dumbbell down, it's rolling into the street. <laughs> right. Like, that's not going to work. So we're at a local park uh, doing some stuff. Um, uh, then we would, we'd, uh, the wild, wildfires came that s- summer. So the air quality was garbage. Oh my gosh. Um, it just was like this idea just go outside and do this is like yeah it's there's fire in the sky guys <laughs> right so right. it's uh, uh but uh, then and uh, but a year later we're allowed to open it 10 percent. but um the again it was i was like 10 percent of what my schedule was last march or 10 percent of what my schedule could be exactly. then nobody could give you an answer if you just threw yeah. out a number right why would 11 percent be dangerous right yeah. so <laughs> you know if, if i if i had 10 people in the gym normally on a monday does that mean I could have one? I could norm. I could fit sixty-five in, right? Yep. I could fit. I, I can fit more people in. So I chose the second of those two options. Uh, and so, but uh, members still didn't always come back. Some yeah. people, a lot of people left California. Uh, a lot of people got scared. Uh, some people set up home gyms and do a little bit of remote coaching with us. So it's uh, the scars are still there from from COVID. Yeah. Um, it, it's still. Uh, I still see people, you know, uh, wearing masks outside here. It's still like, yeah. still a thing. So, but again, ability to make change fast, to pivot quickly. And I think uh, if you, if I saw my identity as a gym owner, I'd have had a much harder time. Right. Um, I saw my identity as a fitness professional who, who coached, programmed, wrote articles, wrote books, taught seminars. So I would, I would continue teaching webinars and things. And I also had a gym. Well, that revenue stream was like the stock market to me. That one went down. Yeah. But all the others I had to be aware of. I still have all the others going. Yeah. Like if they made 
if they made webinars illegal right now, I'd just move to a different thing, right? You just say, right. okay, like here, here's what I'll do. So that mindset that I was a complete fitness pro and this one avenue closed, once I really got that in my head, then then I was I was golden. Like I was just was like, all right, now I got to program more. I got to write more articles. I got to do, do more seminars online. And uh, so I don't want to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I'm, I'm not I'm not really interested in doing it again, but it's a uh, power of systems and your ability to adapt quickly and that identity engineering where uh, if you saw yourself solely as a gym owner, it all went away and, and you're broken. Yeah. If you saw yourself as a fitness professional who also owns a gym, you just you pivot slightly. I hate that word pivot also, yeah. but it got, used, it got used a lot during COVID, right? Yes, yes. Okay, I got one more like main theme I want to talk to all you right. about because you were, again, I think you were the first, if you weren't the first, you were one of the first people that talked about semi-private training, right? You were also yeah. one of the first people that really pushed for this idea of strength training in fat loss workouts for the general population, right? Yeah. Because everybody up to this point is cardio, 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 you know, and you see people yeah. on the recumbent bikes going like two miles an hour, wondering why they're yeah. not shedding body fat. So the, the, the young coaches right now are saying, duh, strength training for fat loss. <laughs> At the time I was saying this, it was a, a little controversial. It, it like was I got, very controversial. I pushed back on it at the time, right? So it was, it was a. Now, like, I, I don't think I was the only one doing it, and uh, I don't think I'm responsible for it. But I, I do know there weren't a lot of people saying it then. Yeah. And it, it does seem like a, a mainstream uh, now. Like I don't, I don't think it's controversial to say that anymore. No, but again, I just, it's funny. Like we've known each other long enough that. I just think back to those times, and, and so I was thinking about your fat loss hierarchy article. Yeah. I had to go back and yeah. look. This was 2007. Bullet point number one, strength train for fat loss. And at this point in time, maybe it's T-Nation, right? So it's a little bit more progressive and cutting edge. Yeah, but at the time people, it definitely was. Most people aren't talking about that. It's just long-duration yeah. cardio and you know yeah. cut calories or do whatever fad diet is yeah. out there. So like, what led you to this realization or why did you start promoting this message? So I, I think it's, um, you, you, you're in the trenches and you're, you're kind of following what you've been told. And, and the fat loss program from, from my mom didn't work, right? And it was all based on this low intensity cardio and this fat burning zone. And it just never seemed to work. So I started looking at like, how do we actually lose fat? Like, what mechanism has to happen to, to do this? And it, number one, you need a caloric deficit. Like you, you, Anybody who tells you otherwise, I can't even have a conversation because we're so far apart on basic <laughs> understandings, right? Right. So you have to consume less or burn more. So you could do that only through diet if you wanted to. So anything else in addition, if we're using exercise to burn calories, then the exercise intensity would burn more calories. So it made sense to me that the most intense thing you could do was strength training because you couldn't continue that for long. Right. So the trade-off is you need a rest period in there, right? But the caloric burn continues into the rest period, and when you look at it, it's maybe as high as walking for that minute, right? So it just seemed that the second part is you've got to try to maintain your muscle mass through keeping protein up or sending your body some type of signal to maintain the muscle mass. So you know what does that? <laughs> Lifting weights. <laughs> so it, what I, I did was uh, I think – Maybe the traditional strength training programs at the, I mean, remember straight sets was just how everybody trained, yeah. chest, 
shoulders, right? So the idea of paired sets or circuits with a little more density um, t- turned it less of a strength training program. I say definitely still resistance training, but I wasn't concerned about getting stronger. Yeah, I was like using this as a tool to send the the muscle building signal, um, and and then use it as a caloric burning tool. And so I tried it out with clients, and it seemed seemed to work really well. Um, <clears throat> I noticed that myself when I had to uh, for taekwondo tournaments. If I was trying to keep weight down for for fights, um, you used to run in the morning, you'd run fasted, and I don't know, and it's. I did a, a tell where I'm just I'm just not gonna run in the mornings and it didn't change anything. Like it changed your cardio a little bit, but I always felt slower with that running. I always mm-hmm. like just that like that that kind of jogging style it's like it, it just didn't like didn't help me for my sport if it's for another reason. So uh, a lot of it just comes comes from the trenches and goes backwards. But I actually wrote then once you've done four strength trainings a week, because they're kind of full body. It's uh, one of the downsides of full body is if you you hit a hard full body today, Mike, tomorrow might be rough. Yeah. Right. Like it's that's the hard part is that we we can't do. And I, I talked to a couple of clients with this this morning. It was if you were only to train three days a week, would you train harder? And they're like, Oh yeah. I'm like, That's what I need you to do first before you think about six days. Right. Like d- right. don't 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 take it easy today because we're coming back tomorrow. Right. right. Go hard today so we don't need tomorrow. So I I, I think when you get to three to four days of strength training uh you can't do any more of that it starts to beat you up too much yep. uh for, for the for the fat look for the deconditioned fat loss client right so then my next thing is what's the closest thing to that that i can can create that intensity and caloric burn but without that that with this and this maximal metabolic disturbance with this minimal muscular uh yeah. effect and then that started to be interval training, and in particular the air assault bike, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it was full full body low oh, impact, yeah. which now now people are aware of it and know it's brutal. Yeah. My guys were finding out that was brutal back then. <laughs> and then after you can only do so much of that, yep. right? Then I would add the low intensity cardio. So I just flipped it on its head. Yeah. And uh, it, it's the and and I think one of your questions is things I may have changed my mind on. I can get get to that in a second. There's something yeah. there I've changed my mind on. Um, but it was uh, that idea, which now when when you say it, like every young trainer is like, yeah, duh. <laughs> right? But trust me, I was getting death threats from people. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. But I was getting some. I was getting people saying like that. You know, cardio would always work uh, work better uh, oh. than strength training. But it's. Uh, I called it the the. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I had a book at the time called Afterburn, uh, yes. which was really a, a sample program. There's a gym in town who uh, call themselves that, and uh, <laughs> my, my one of my clients owned owned their building, and he was like, "Oh, I saw you ripped off uh, Alan Cosgrove's uh, <laughs> uh, name." I, I don't care. Dude. I just, like pay it forward, and yeah. they're like, "Well, he didn't trademark it." And I was like, oh, so you knew. Oh. <laughs> so, and then there was there was a little while I knew they, on, you did Google AdWords, they took an ad out on my name. Oh, my gosh. And so if you search for my name, their gym name would pop up, which I thought, <laughs> I mean, dude, that's smart though, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, but you, you can say unethical, but I'm like, that, that, they were smart guys. But that, that term afterburn was, I, I felt like this type of training elevated your caloric burn all day. Yep. Right, yeah. not not to like thousands of calories like people think, but there's some good studies that a couple of hundred a day or a hundred or so a day, yeah, um, 
an increase in non-exercise activity thermogenesis as a result of these type of workouts. So you burned in the workout and you continue to burn a little bit afterwards. So you got this kind of one-two punch. But um, the, the the bottom line is I put this on the line and started training yeah. people this way. Yeah. And results got better. Referrals went up. And and uh, I, I've tried doing no aerobic exercise at all with people. And uh, it's strength training gets most of the results. Interval training rounds it out. And if you've got a lot of time, I'm never going to tell you not to go for a walk, right? Like right. I'm never going to say no. But if you've got three hours a week to do, commit, commit to exercise, I'm not going to program walking yeah. for a body comp client. So that that's kind of the the uh, that that's the part I think I get misinterpreted on is I'm just it, it's a hierarchy per unit of time. Yeah. Like it's not that none of this stuff works. It's that if you've only got 15 minutes a week, do you think a walk is the key? Right. No, that's not going to get it done, right? Right. So, Right. Uh, was there anything that you would change about it now? I mean, looking um, back or anything that you have changed like in the last five to 10 years? Because again, so that, think, that article is 16 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The, the, the idea that it's the type of strength training, I'd say, is that it, it, it needs to kind of be that circuit or superset based. Yeah. Um, you know, just five sets of five squat bench and dead uh, it probably not optimal for that type of client right and um, so a, a little bit uh, more me- i call it metabolic resistance training which the yeah. term just means that the purposes of resistance training are are, are for more metabolic circuit type purposes i think a second type of interval training but before the bike uh which would be things like sleds battle ropes kettlebell swings things with a no e i could load the cardio without the eccentric yeah right I, yeah. I i like for for my obstacle course racing athletes i really like the hex bar deadlift and they just drop it because then i don't get any soreness because they're running tomorrow yeah right so yeah. the idea is it, it could be more intense so i'd maybe put that in as a a secondary tool i i don't know loaded cardio might be the term then yeah. traditional interval training Gotcha. And the, the other thing that I have um, changed my mind on is um, there's a study came out a few years ago now. It was with older females, and they had people do uh, – the training program wasn't great, but the, the concept's going to be pretty cool. Let them do two weight training and two cardio a week uh, for fat loss. And they found that that group actually increased their non-exercise activity by 200 calories a day. Oh, wow. So they're training four four times a week, but they're burning an extra 200 outside of the session just to feel good they're moving around. Then they put a second group on three plus three. So they went to six workouts. That group lowered their non-exercise activity by about 100 a day. Now, if you compare those two groups, Mike, I got a 300 calorie difference between four times a week and six. That's 10 pounds. Uh, that's a pound every 10 days, right? Yeah. So... As a built-in spell check, I have now that you're, everybody has a phone or a watch or something. If your steps go down, that's an that's an error message to me. So I'm training you for body comp and we're hitting four days a week and you're doing 7,000 steps a day and we hit the fifth one and you go down to 5,000 steps a day. I, I lost the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Anything we burn in the fifth one went away because you go to bed earlier now and you're tired and you move a little less. So I have a daily movement as my spell check if that's affected negatively by training i back off on the training oh, right like so that. but i i kind of i've flipped it with clients now i'm like hey mike you you give me ten thousand steps a day you don't have to do any cardio 
Yeah. Uh, so you're, oh yeah. All right. So I'll, like now that can be you can get that. Most people walk about a hundred steps a minute. Yeah. So it's about you know uh, a couple of ten minute walks a day and some some daily activity. You can get it done. So uh, I, I don't program walking as a fat loss tool, but I monitor your movement. I monitor mm-hmm. your steps, and it lets me know that maybe we're pushing a little too hard or dying a little too hard because your body will like you don't eat enough, your body will move less. There's an energy yeah, constraint theory that it's it's going to close. That there's a sweet spot where you don't have enough food and you're burning a little too much. When that gets too big, the body compensates. Yeah. So so that I use the uh, the two changes would be I'd have this loaded cardio in there as um. Uh, it's not as heavy as strength training, but there's not a lot of muscular damage, but it's more intense than traditional interval training. I'd put that yeah. in as a secondary activity uh, and I would monitor the steps to monitor the, there's four components to metabolism, basal metabolic rate. We can only change that slowly. We add muscle, but if we lose fat, it goes down a little bit. If we add muscle, it goes up a little bit. So there's not a whole lot of change there. Right. The other three are thermic effect of feeding, if we increase protein and reduce carbs or fats, we can get a little burn there. Exercise activity is the tiniest little bit. That, that's where I'm focusing there. But neat, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis, that's the biggest part that we can we can modify. Yeah. So adding exercise, if that forces that down, then we screwed up. So I I now mon- I don't program the, the walking, but I monitor steps as, uh, I call it a spell check to let me know if my program's in the sweet spot. I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, and we talked about me playing soccer. Man, the first day I played, I didn't move much for the next three days. So good sign that's, that uh, that there, was a little there, bit too intense. A good, uh, there's actually a, a good study on that that uh, I uh, wrote about years ago where they compared interval training to soccer on, yeah. on body comp and VO2 max. And uh, soccer was better. And as you are aware, it's nothing to do with the ball. It's yeah. to do with the, 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 the rapid changes of direction. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I remember uh, Robert Doshimidios doing a, a practical where he had people do a 10 by 10 shuttle run and he had everybody listen to their feet when they turned because you put more force on the ground when you're going to turn. Right. And then he had them just react to his command, like switch, switch. And the force went higher because they didn't know when they're going to change direction. The mm-hmm. demands metabolically went way up. Sure. So with my, my head, he was doing this for athletes. His, his idea is, can you change direction on the line? Yeah. Can you change the direction when you don't know you were going to change direction? That's a different skill. That's right. that o- open speed. So I started doing that type of random interval training with clients, mm. right? So yeah. soccer's random interval training, yes. right? Yes. Like that, that, and you can see the muscular damage from it the first time you did it. So <laughs> it's, it's a, but the, the con, you don't have to start playing soccer, everybody, but you, it's also called football, incidentally, because you play it with a ball and your feet. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Oh, jokes are the best. <laughs> the, the idea of that, more of that unstructured interval training could actually be more metabolically demanding, right? Yeah. Football. Egg hand, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's <it. laughs> oh, that's one of my favorites. Okay, big question time, dude. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Alan Crosgrove one piece of advice, what would it be? Invest in Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, right. M- most most of my uh, things, it, it's uh, I don't know what I'd do differently. I would just do things sooner, hmm. right? Like I, I had this. Like despite my lesson with my my uh, taekwondo instructor being this amazing mentor, it took me a long time to ask for business help and hire a business coach. What was I thinking? Right. Like this is the first like 
for, for most coaches, this is the first thing you ever turn pro at. And yeah. this is the first time you don't have a coach. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So I'm like, why are we, what was wrong with us? So I would have hired a business coach sooner. I would have got my systems done um, sooner. Um, I would have, uh, it didn't, looking back at Shelly, I'd have cared less about what people might think when I put out an article like that. It was, right? it like, was hard. I'm just saying, like, that time period, it was great. I mean, T Nation, I feel like, and granted, I'm biased because we were both writing then, and Eric, yeah. and, you know, all yeah. Dave Tate, uh, Joe DeFranco, all these amazing guys, Christian Thibodeau. Yeah. But, man, it was ruthless. If you yeah. went outside, sometimes in that forum, but you went other places on the internet, you were just eviscerated. Yeah, they, they were the, like, we were the, but it, it got, um, it's just like, like, you get a, a I mean, it's the Gandhi line, right? Uh First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. Yeah. Right. But yeah. But at the time, as a young coach, you like you're you're wanting to be liked by everybody. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I I sat on that article for about a year. Wow. Right. Before I before I before I released it because you just like you I mean there's people would they'd email you like they, they wouldn't they wouldn't just be talking about you they'd come and get you. <laughs> right. Like, so I my answer would be like. Uh, the, I think it was TC told me once that less than 1% of the people who read the article went on the forums and on the forums, 90% of it came from 10% of them. Oh so gosh, you yeah. see, you see like a 50, 50 negative. That is a 0.0001%. So <laughs> I, I would have done a lot of things faster and I would have cared less about what um, people that didn't matter to me thought. Yeah. I, I care about what my peers and colleagues thought and what my family thought. And, uh, I yeah, it's, it's mainly like um, th- things of of uh, I'd have invested in Zoom and I'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a lot of things are just like what I would do. I would do them sooner, you know, more more than uh, anything that that I, I did did uh, did wrong. Uh, yeah. I would try not to get cancer, um, <laughs> but I I still really don't know how that happened. Right? Like yeah, I don't. Absolutely. I, I sus- suspect it's environmental because I don't have it. And I don't have that type of cancer in the family tree, so uh, there could there could be something. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I I would have realized that other things like like speaking and things, other revenue streams sooner. And yep. uh, I realized like everybody wants to to speak and present, and then not everybody should. Just being smart doesn't mean you should open a gym or be yeah. a professional speaker. Like yep. it's a different skill set. So. Yeah, I think it's it's always a weird a weird question because uh, like that ripple effect thing, right? Like a a lot of things that have um, I went back to Scotland for a while before moving out to California, and I, I wrote to it's funny I wrote to every sports team offering my services for free. They didn't have strength coaches then. That's how long ago this was. They yeah. they it was a, maybe a former player who did the warm up and did the sprints. Yeah, right. Like they didn't. They didn't. One of my my friends, Nick Grantham, um, who who did taekwondo with me, he graduated the same college as me. After me, his first ever job was for the Olympic team as a strength coach. Ever, his first ever like he didn't yeah. teach it. Like he taught taekwondo too, but I mean he just was at a different time, right? And he right. took advantage of it. So, uh, but maybe that that's why I'm talking to you now. Yeah, right, like, absolutely. like, had I had I got the job there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Like, so sometimes you 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 spend too long looking at a door that closed and and you don't realize the other ones are open to you. So, yeah, 
uh, I think sometimes you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You know, I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, I've got our lightning round. I'm just calling them right. Allenisms. Okay. So, one of the first pieces of advice you gave me when I started speaking a lot and speaking at Perform Better was to dress one level up when compared to your audience. Explain that mindset. So, two things that, that get there is uh, you're talking to a bunch of trainers and you walk in in like a tuxedo, you're odd because <laughs> you're too far up. Yeah. Right? You're too far up. Uh, if you get invited to a wedding and you're not sure what to dress, who would you gamble? Too far up or too low? Too far up. So there's a yeah. place where you're always going to go up. If you're going to see your doctor, and it, with very few exceptions, right, there's probably some crazy doctor. Doctor walks in in, in dirty sweats and flip-flops and a, and a tank top on. <laughs> do you take him seriously? First impressions do count, and you can use the way you dress. Is um, People unconsciously defer to someone who is dressed a level up. Now, those don't mean like the, the audience could be wearing sweats and sweatpants. You could be in Lulu and a polo shirt. You could be in dress pants and a polo. You don't have yeah. to have a suit on. Yes. Uh, but you're always looking at, you want to, you don't want to be too far away because you lose connection. But what if the CEO of the team is in the audience? How's he dressed? How's Jerry Jones dressed at the Cowboys game? Right? Like, like, like if he's in the audience, I want to be a notch above him. Yeah. Right. If that's right. who the audience is. Right. Right. Uh, with that said, if if you're talking to tennis players, there's a look that you want to have there. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, like I can tell you if I showed up to talk to jujitsu fighters and I showed up in a, a polo shirt, Lulu's clean sneakers and presented the exact same presentation as a guy who's got a logo T-shirt and surfboard shorts on. Trust me, I'm getting the clients. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so it, it, it's, it, it, the, I got this from my, one of my, a guy used to work for me, Elias Scar. Could you do it wrong? If you could dress wrong here, there's a way to do it right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, if you're aware there's a way to do it wrong, there's a way to do it right. So, if in doubt, one notch above uh, who's in the audience. I still Keep use that. Sharp. I still use that to this day. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's another one. It's, I could probably give you an hour of just, things that you taught me and things that are yeah. just embedded in my brain. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get negative reviews at that <laughs> point. <laughs> do you still use the A, B, C, D clients? Yep. Do you still use that yep. analogy? Would you break yep. that so, down for us? So, uh, and, and there's nothing um, personal attached to this. When you, when you look at, uh, we actually did this recently at the gym. We looked through who, we asked the whole team who your favorite clients are, right? Yep. And then we cross-reference that with who has spent the most at the gym on training and other things, and they almost matched 100%. It is not a fluke. So what what I, I did is at one point, I'm trying to like figure out my schedule. I went through A, B, C, D. A, clients that always pay on time, train hard, refer people, talk about me a lot, and I would train for free because it's so much fun. And sometimes it's like baseball players. It never was that for me. I couldn't... The identifying characteristic was this energy they brought to training. Yes. Right? Uh, B are uh, solid clients um, who always pay. Um, they're ones who don't refer a lot because they keep you as a secret weapon. Right? Mm -hmm. you, you got a few of those. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they, they don't want to tell people about you. That doesn't help me. You're automatically a B. Uh, C are clients like 
they, they show up, they're decent clients, like, and dear clients that I, like, I'm like, she's sh- coming in tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> right? Now, this could be a personality match. That could be an A client for somewhere else. Yeah. So part of it was, I knew I was doing them a disservice by having them on my schedule because I wasn't enjoying it and I wasn't bringing my best. Right. Right? And I was doing me a disservice because my life is miserable taking these people for money and I don't have room to put in A or Bs. Right, so you use your own criteria to, to rank your clients, but I just eliminated C's and D's from my schedule. I mean, and I only I only have A's and B's, and over time you start to like in the beginning, the, the you know your avatar for your perfect client is client who can afford me. <laughs> end of end of description, <laughs> right? Right. O- over time, I'm just like some guys aren't a good fit, and they could be a good fit with with another, even another coach on your. Team, yeah, or another coach at another place, and um, like it's, it's a one of the, the trick questions we do is if I if I call up a like a gem or if I'm doing a, a customer service training, I'll be like, hey, answer the phone, ring, ring. I'm like, hey, they're like, oh, this is results finished. I'm like, do you guys have kickboxing there? And if we don't, right, right, but if the answer is no, then I just okay, thanks, hang up, because you don't know what I want, right, right. Or you could say yes. I'm like, I hate kickboxers. Click, right? <laughs> so the the idea is, what is it you like about kickboxing? They're like, I hate kickboxing. Because then you're gonna love it here. Yeah. Because right? we don't have that. Like, if you if you like the high, if you're really looking for kickboxing, we're not a fit. We don't have that. Right. So there's no sense in me trying to to to, to sell that. If if the reason you like it is you like high energy training, right? Then I have something similar you may want to try. Right. right, but I use this to kind of. Not everybody's a good fit for you, right? And and that's okay. And you get to a certain level, it's okay to to turn down a client. And when you get to the level that that we're at, you're probably at an eye fast and results finished. They, the C and Ds don't show up. No, your marketing is so on point. Only A's and B's ever show up. Yeah, like it's the marketing is like magnetic. It should repel as much as it attracts. And that doesn't mean be abrasive. But I could say I'm looking for four men, that's half the audience gone, age 35 to 45, that narrows it down, who can train at 7 a.m. and own their own businesses. That marketing is going to attract to my AB client, yeah. if that's your client, right? So, yeah. so I, yeah, I still use that. And then o- over time, that what used to be a B became a D because I had so many A's, Yeah. right? The standard Absolutely. of an A goes up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot. I, I forgot. I taught you that. <laughs> you taught me a lot, man. I'm just saying, like you taught me a lot. Okay, number three. How's my guy Craig doing? Craig is for those less than Craig is. Did you guys work together? Or just friends or training just partners? Just friends. Or? Just friends, man. Uh, so Craig is my head guy, and he has been for for 14 years now. And he started with me 16 years ago. Uh, Mike referred him uh, directly with a, a further endorsement for um, from Eric Cressy. Craig is the the ravishing model on uh, <laughs> what was it? it Inside out. Mobility. Inside, Inside out. out. Yeah. yeah, he's he's the model on that. So uh, Craig, I didn't have a job at the time, but when somebody that talented uh, shows up, you find a place for him, and he is uh, still still with me. He's doing great. Uh, the, the book uh, behind me here, The Secrets of Successful Program Design. Uh, we co-authored that, and this is something that I'm uh, I'm proud of. I, I mentioned this earlier off air. Um, Human Kinetics approached me to do the book, and uh, Human Kinetics are a, a niche publishing company. Uh, so the, the 
the the money behind it wasn't as good as the new rules of lifting stuff which is sure. a mainstream publisher sure um but the book was actually a bigger project than that because like, mm-hmm. i didn't have lou Schuler to help right. me. so uh, i i i couldn't do it for for the contract it, it didn't make sense with everything we had going on i didn't have the bandwidth to do it so i asked if i could get a co-author on it and i said i will get craig rasmussen to do it and uh now we had a lot of the book written in different manuals and things that we had so craig kind of compiled and curated it and, and added more to it and and built it but uh a lot of the book is our ideas uh, but he, I'll, I'll be honest, he did a lot of the, the writing because I just couldn't do it. Um, on, the, on the flip side, Craig wasn't going to get a book deal, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it's he could either join in with this one or not have one. So he, of course, he jumped at the chance. And uh, uh, they the wanted it to be Alan Cosgrove with Craig Rasmussen. And I fought hard that our names are the same size on it, which yeah. I'm very proud of that. That we're co-authors. It's not, he wasn't my assistant. Like we're, it's an equal, equal thing. So if anything, I can make a case it should be the other way around because <laughs> he, he did a, a lot of the, the day-to-day that. So, um, so you, you sent me a, a PE teacher who now uh, <laughs> r- runs the gym, has run several intern programs, pays it forward like a champ, and has a book. That's so guy, thanks man. for that. He's that's doing my, great. That's my guy, man. I love it. Okay, number four. What aspect of your business are you most excited about right now? Um, so we have we have two. Um, we have Results Fitness, which is the physical gym uh, location. We have some remote training going on. Um, the the educational or consulting arm of our company is called Results Fitness University. Um, that has been the most fun. Um, all all during COVID, I got together with all our coaching clients who were in the same situation with gyms closed. We, we did Friday night happy hour on Zoom, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we were talking and just trying to keep each other going. Um, we, we have a, if you go to resultsfitnessuniversity.com slash inner circle, I have my little Netflix there where every video, every course I've ever done is uploaded there. It's a, a membership site. And uh, every month I add a new course, but I do it live like this. So okay. you can come on and, and we do it live. And uh, remember that, that video? We'll do it live. What yeah. was that guy? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we do it live. And at the end, you can ask questions on the presentation or get some, some uh, Q&A time with me. So... Uh, it's been it's been growing and it's my like uh like i i've got a good group of people in my coaching group um the my or mastermind group as we call it um that that i feel i've mentored and uh, the this this inner circle is like then i feel like i'm finally being the mentor i wanted to be like i'm finally helping people and that that's the thing that's um the the, mo- the most exciting to me is uh, I-, I love public speaking. I hate planes. And it, like, uh, I have this joke with the guys that book me is that I'll speak for very little money, but those flights and being away from home and staying <laughs> in a hotel room, that- that's what's costing you money for me yeah. to come. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I-, I think that's the, the most exciting thing. Uh, I'm obviously uh, I'm involved recently in um, obstacle course racing and I've been working a little bit with the Olympic governing body USA OCR so uh, it, it's um, it's hard to add a sport to the Olympics it's easy to add a discipline and uh, mm. so three by three basketball gets added right cycling at a distance or BMX or mountain biking things like that that they'll add it so obstacle course racing at the next olympics um 
modern modern pentathlon has dropped horse racing and is putting an obstacle course race as the fifth discipline so a lot of controversialness there yeah but i i think it's a way to have ocr in as a, a separate sport um with okay. un, under uh, pentathlon and the, it's it's its own sport in other countries in the u.s it's under pentathlon which is getting rebranded as multi-sport that's the name it's going to be called multi-sport so mm. it's going to come in under that and um, it was a sport that started as mud runs and fun things and has became highly competitive with funding behind it okay and some good athletes and it was i got i got intrigued with it because i couldn't figure it out right like nobody had like if you if you get a football player you're like all right there's some good information out there on that right, right? you get a you in, in most things there are like this is a sport that really wasn't anything huh. and I, so I, I bought and got what few products that were out there and it's like running mixed with rock climbing this was awful so it, <laughs> i got interested in, in developing like a, a really a syllabus for to develop the the physical capabilities of the, the OCR athlete, the physical prep side of it. So uh, it's one of those few things and a um, few people, uh, you know, yourself included, that get me excited about training. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's only a handful, like uh, um, the body comp stuff, to be quite honest, as, as much as we can help a lot of people, like I kind of figured it out. Right, right, like, right. Like yeah. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get me too excited, but this new sport kind of came along and it, it was like, I don't know, I, just, I couldn't figure it out. And so that yeah. you know me, that's me yeah. down the rabbit hole now, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, uh, six months later, like uh, I know everything about this, and um, I'm I'm counting steps with my guys per per minute, how many steps they can do running, and uh, you know which hand they reach with, which is the most efficient way to do this. Like, so that's cool. I got into that, so that's the training side of it. But the the mentoring the young coaches is like, if I had to only choose one thing to do, that would be the mentoring the young coaches is is where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, last but not least, what's, right. next, what's next for Alan Cosgrove? Uh, live happily ever after and don't die of cancer. Um, other than <laughs> like that, uh, uh, yeah, I think that the, I, I'd like to, I, I want to, um, like Matt, I don't know how to do it and I'm not, I'm not sure what it looks like, but I, I like, I like telling people that uh, Derek Campbell is my Taekwondo instructor. I'm one of his black belts. I came up under him, mm -hmm. right? And I, I, I want to be able to. I don't need my name to to be to be known like that. But I'd like to create a lineage of young young coaches under me yes. that that can can go on. And that, um, I mean, Craig Craig is uh, like Craig came in as a as a sharp and experienced coach, and he's just become like a superstar, man. Right? Like it's right. just, and I, I'm he, I, I take credit for some of that. Uh, not all of it. He's very driven, and and uh, uh, he's he's a we, we joke he's selective OCD. Like <laughs> yeah. all all his books and DVDs are in alphabetical order, but the dishes are lying in the sink for two months. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So he he's a uh, so he's kind of like you you as I said is I taught him what he was blind to, and then I've taught him everything that I can see, and now he sees further than I ever could. Yeah. So he's is a far superior coach than I ever was. That's cool, so. man. That's cool. So the ne the next thing is like a, a generation of those guys, right? That, that hopefully coming up. It's what we're all trying to do, right? I feel yeah. like you know, you do it long enough, you don't stay in this game if there isn't some altruism. And I don't know, man. Just yeah, that's, I mean, you I mean, you told your your mom, I'm gonna be a trainer. She's like, well, now we can relax. <laughs> <laughs> the family yeah. is taken care of now. 
<laughs> yeah, we really let mom down. She thought, oh, maybe he'll he'll be a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon. Uh, no, that's I'm, a, I'm a gym that's owner, a, mom. Congrats. I'll tell you what, though. Like, how, like, how long have you been a trainer? You could have been a doctor and a lawyer by now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. But, yeah, it is. there's definitely an altruistic part of it. But it's uh, – and I want to say part of it is per, as much as I, I want to, to pay it forward and, and – go to the next generation that is a personal goal of mine so there's a little bit selfishness attached to it then mm-hmm. sure. I, I i i want to be spoken of the way i speak about my instructor who changed the absolute direction of my life so yeah. that's that's kind of the the, the legacy eventually right that right. i love it you're, you're like i only got into soccer because he took me down <laughs> a, a, a basement sports bar that's got to be three world cups ago 2010 2010 <laughs> Uh, that was well, fun. That was fun. Uh, Just very quickly. We had, to go, we had to go back for a Q&A as well. That, that was the best part. Holland's like, hey, where, we, where can we watch this game? We get in a cab. We're in Chicago. Get to the bar. Watch the game. There might have been beverages involved. Just saying. Get back in a cab. Go back. And we have to do the Q&A after a couple beverages. But USA won. They did yeah. win that game. Yeah, I think it was USA Ghana we watched. Yes, I think it was. I think it was. That was fun. That was fun. Well, Alan, man, thank you so much for coming on. This was so great catching up. Where can my listeners find out more about you and the great work that you're doing? Um, the easiest place now is like, I got a, like websites and stuff. The easiest place is probably Instagram. Uh, it's just my name, Alan Cosgrove. And uh, I, on there, I have a little link tree to uh, all my projects and things that are going on. And uh, I... I try my best to answer any any DMs that that I, I get. Um, it is me; it's not a, an assistant. Um, so if you have questions, then just hit me up there, and I'll oh, wow. be. Uh, uh, I always say, if you follow me, I I can see the DM. Yes. Uh, a lot of people who don't follow and send me, I don't even I don't open that folder. So oh, yeah. make sure you you follow me first, right? So. Yes. All right. Well, I'll make sure I get the link in the show notes. And again, dude, thank you so much, man. This was great catching up. Uh, cheers, man. It's good talking to you. All right, my friend. That does it for this week's episode with Alan Cosgrove. Really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, this guy has just been such a huge influence on me and my career. And I just, I can't thank him enough. Like, I mean, whether it was introducing me to Bill, teaching me the game with regards to public speaking, convincing me and then helping me to run a successful fitness business when we were just getting started. Man, he has been so influential to me, and it was so much fun to have him on the show. I really hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope you learned uh, a couple lessons along the way. I hope you're probably inspired. I mean, Alan has such an interesting story and interesting background, so I hope you listen to this episode. You're inspired, you're motivated, and ready to go out and make some really positive impacts in your world. So if you enjoyed the episode, I got one small favor to ask as I'm learning more and more about podcasts, you know, 370, 380 episodes in, I'm still learning. One of the big things that Apple loves are what they call follows. So if you are not following me on Apple Podcasts, please go there right now and do that. It's just go to the Physical Prep Podcast, hit the little plus button uh, adjacent to the title of the show, and you'll know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.